The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fearless Happiness podcast. Today, we have an amazing guest. I recently just got to know him and I got to meet him live back in February. My friend Dante here, but I'm going to let him introduce himself. So Dante, introduce yourself, let them know who you are, what you do, and then we're going to jump in. Right on. So my name is Dante Smiley. Uh, I am a fitness coach. I have my own fitness culture business called Primetime Fitness Training. Um, I love fitness. I think health as well. So that's a very, very, very important aspect of my life and the people around me. Also, I am a professional wrestler. I am signed to an organization called the OIWA, which stands for Organized International Wrestling Association. Um, there's non-promotions under that. So I get to travel to the United States, you know, powerbombing people, hitting people with chairs and all that kind of cool stuff. I'm also the, uh, the heavyweight champion of the OIWA. Uh, which are, which is awesome. I, I've held many titles in my seven-year career of professional wrestling. I think I calculated that I've held like 13 titles total, a couple of those titles twice and whatnot. So I've been blessed with a lot of opportunity. I have my own podcast as well called the 13th Mindset Podcast, which is kind of just all about tidbits, quick knowledge, you know, get in there, kind of get out for the morning listen. Um, and I'm part of the Apex Entourage with my man Max right here. You know what I mean? Right. We're, we're part of a group with a lot of elevated minded people, uh, you know, to, to grow our lives, grow our businesses, grow our alignments and so on and so forth, man. So, and there's going to be more to come. I'm in the process of writing a book right now. Uh, Drewby's got on to me about writing my first book. So I'm in the process of actually doing the recordings for that. That way we get it transcribed and go through that whole process. So there's a lot going on. I'm a busy person. So I keep that calendar on lockdown to make sure I give everything its time and keep it Pusher, man i appreciate you having me on absolutely and yes i agree with drewby you need to get your book out champ you need to yeah. <laughs> out you know the one thing and i'm going to tell you the coolest thing besides having my children of course you know and actually marrying my my current wife the coolest feeling i ever got was when i became a published author um and, and you know i was brought back to my memory too one of my closest friends and coach and mentor who just passed God rest his soul. I can remember the day it came out and he posted a picture of himself with my book saying, you know, that Max is, you know, finally become a published author. Cause yeah. I had, I I'm going to write a book like 10 years ago. Right. Right. And, and you know, our fellow apexer, Chris Whitehead, right. He helped right. me, he helped me put together my outline. And then I disappeared on these guys for like, I would come in and out of their lives. Like, yeah, I'm ready. And then I disappear again. Right. Cause then right. I, yeah, I'm ready. And then I disappear again. You know, unfortunately it took some tragedies, but out of those tragedies in my life, I got back on it and got my book out. So I couldn't stress to you enough, Dante, when you get that book done and, and you you know, when you see that book and you hold it in your hand, it's like it's a feeling you can't describe unless you've gone through it. So, right. yeah, I, I, I'm on the rest. I know Ryan's probably on you. Drewby's yep. probably on you. Yep. Thomas, Chris, yep. now myself. You yep. got to get your book done. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we do it because we love you, bro. And we want right. to. Right. I appreciate it. We all try to elevate each other. So, you know, thank you again for for taking the time. I know you got a busy schedule, you know, and it's funny that you say that. I, I got to hunker down and, and start using a calendar and, you know, cause ever since I, I lost my job in November, I kind of 
you know, I've been here at home helping around the house, helping to be a caretaker with my mother-in-law. So right. I don't need a calendar. And then realize this morning, I go, I need a calendar, man. Right. I'm, I'm all over the place, you know. Oh, yeah, I got to do that. Oh, shoot, I forgot that. Right. Um, so thank you for the for the friendly reminder of like, making sure <laughs> I put things on a calendar, which a few of my other mentors in our program have pushed me to go do that calendar because you, you know, things will get away from you, as you know, yeah, like, easily. Busy. you know, you got your business to run, you got your, you're the champ, you know what I mean? You got a book you're trying to write. Like if you don't write that stuff down, it's going to get crazy. Yeah, man. So, and it just, it, you know, and it just helps you stay focused too. That's the, that's the one thing I've realized with, with keeping the calendar is, is at one, everything gets done because I'm, I'm very intentional about staying on top of, like when something comes up and I have that 30 second, you know, that 30 minute reminder pop up, like, hey, it's time to go read. Hey, it's time to go work on your podcast. Hey, you got this client coming in. Hey, go eat lunch and so on and so forth. So if I catch myself in a zone of kind of just going through the motions for a little bit and that pops up, it's like, oh, yeah, let me go get set up. Let me get this ready. Then I hunker down, knock it out and then go to the next thing. Because the one thing I realized through my life is when I wasn't keeping a calendar and wasn't an intentional about what I was doing, like on a 30 minute hourly day to day basis type deal. It gives me too much time to think. It gives me too much time to backtrack on stuff right. and so on and so forth. And I don't like a lot of downtime. I, I work better when I'm just going and going and going and going when when I need rest or need to settle down. My body will tell me, you know what I mean? I and, and, I, and I'll mind it and I'll get rest. It, it, but, you know, it's very rare that that happens because I've relatively just trained my body to to function that way based off of that calendar to go until that point of where I don't need to. OK, now it's nighttime. I'm with my family. I don't need the calendar anymore because I don't have any. I did all the necessary work. So if I have any time before bed, I'll do a little bit of extra stuff every now and then. But like right now, this is their time. You know what I mean? Because I do so much stuff. I have to make sure when I'm home, I try not to do too much work unless I absolutely have to. And if I do, I'll give my wife the heads up like, hey, when I get home, I'm going to need 30 minutes just to finish this up because I didn't get to finish it while I was at the gym in the office. So if you don't mind, give me the 30 minutes that y'all got me the rest of the evening and we'll do something this weekend and so on and so forth. Uh, because, you, as you know, we, we talk a lot about the word balance. And that work-life balance and how there's kind of no such thing, you know what I mean? And that's <laughs> right. where the calendar comes in because we, we, we work and sleep more than we do anything outside the rest of the day. You know what I mean? So our life aspect of what the work-life balance is already all gets the, the, lower, the, the lower end of the stick, you know, the shortest stick. And uh, so with that, I make sure when it's time for that, it's time for that. When I'm working, I'm working. That way I don't have to like, you know, collide the two whenever I get home or anything like that. Right. And you know, the calendar works too, because if you have a happy wife, you have a happy life. That's a word. <laughs> right. That, and my what? wife is my backbone, bro. I'm about to be 33 in May and we've been together since I was 19 years old. Congratulations. <laughs> like, right. That's awesome though. Like a lot of yeah. me that, you know, that's, that's the toughest work you'll ever do. Right. You know what I mean? Like to stay in a relationship with the one you love and right. Because it shouldn't be all fighting and all work. Right. But there's got to be that balance, right. Where you support right. each other. And, you know, four years ago, I found that person and she's amazing. And she's my notification. Like, let me know, better get that calendar going because you're right. Things <laughs> up, you know what I mean? And, right. uh, but it, it, it's amazing. 33 years, still young, bro. That's cool though. Since you were 19. So how many years is that? That's like, we we just we just hit thirteen years. Thirteen years. Because I'm about because I'm about to I'm about to be thirty three on Cinco de Mayo. It's my birthday. <laughs> oh, cool. So I'm still thirty two. So and we've been together since I was nineteen. She had just turned nineteen because I'm about nine months older than she is. Awesome, man, and that's amazing because you know when you get at least you hear when we get married that young and stuff like it's already stacked against us. Oh, they're young. They don't know what they're doing. So that's a testament to your fortitude and to your ethics and to your integrity because marriage takes work and you yeah. give and take um so cool like i want to get into this stuff i want the audience to know too like so now that they know who you are like you're the champ um this and what you do for a living kind of give them a background give them the backstory like because i've heard part of your story and, right you know you've gone through some struggles like some of us have like right. let them know like because the whole podcast the whole premise that i started this podcast podcast with 
is to show people that they can get through any struggle and still come out yep. on top, right? That they don't have to give up, that they don't have to be the victim of their circumstances. Right. And the people that I interview are perfect examples of leaning into the suck, going through the suck, almost getting knocked down, you know, and then going, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to go and I'm going to get through this and I'm going to be successful. So right. give the audience, let them know, like, where does Dante come from? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so my family, I'm, I'm kind of backtrack, talk about that background. My family on both sides are completely different from one another, from the smiley side, which is my dad's side, and the house side, which is my mom's side, completely different upbringing. My dad's upbringing, he, uh, he was, well, we're from Oklahoma City initially. We moved to Texas when I was like four, three or four years old. Okay. Um, but my, all my family grew up in Oklahoma City pretty much. But my dad is from an area, Oklahoma City, that as far as the state of Oklahoma used to be like the epicenter of like the crack epidemic in like the 70s and 80s where he grew up because a lot of his siblings got into that stuff. A lot of the siblings got into alcoholism and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of pimping that was going on down there. Uh, You know, my dad had my brother and my sister at very young ages, like 17, 18 years old. You know what I mean? My mom came from a little bit more of the suburban side of of Oklahoma City. Good upbringing. Her parents were separated as well. My dad's parents stayed together until death do us part. Mm -hmm. Um, But so best of both worlds as far as where one parent came from and where the other came from. My mom completely saved my dad from the circumstances that he was in. Unfortunately, it didn't last that long for, for, for them, which happens, you know what I mean? Luckily right. they were together. Cause I'm here and had they not been together, I wouldn't be here. Um, or maybe just a different form, so to speak. Um, and so I was born in Oklahoma city. We moved to Texas when I was like three or four years old and about a year after we moved down here is pretty much when all hell broke loose in the, the Smiley household. Parents got in a big fight. There was just some adultery stuff going on. Everybody found out on both sides. Everybody was guilty on both sides. Mm-hmm. And then so separated, divorced. Um, and there was a from what I know, from what my brother has told me, there was even a lot more that was going down than even what I can remember because I was so young. And I don't really remember a lot from my childhood, literally till before like eight or nine years old. The only thing I do remember is the fight that my parents got into when I was like Mm -hmm. four or five years old, when kind of everything hit the fan. That's the one thing I remember very, very vividly was that fight. But outside of that, I don't remember much because I guess it's one of those things where, you know, it's where where trauma, you just kind of forget over time. You try to try to forget it. And as the years go on, now that I'm grown, it's just something that is so far of a distant memory. I don't remember it. So my brother tells me a lot of stuff about what happened back then. But I have no recollection of a lot of that stuff other than that fight mainly. Um, My mom had custody on me most of my upbringing up until I was 13 years old we were girls kind of raised in the north dallas area um which is like 635 and web chapel out here which is very very inner city so i mean when i say inner city is that there is 95 percent minority between hispanic and black and the rest were really like white and everything else okay. uh, but when i was 13 i started I, I was staying with my dad a lot between like 11 and 12 years old and just kind of wanted to live with him. You know, I was getting to that age where I wanted to be with my dad more. I realized I was becoming this young adult, young man. And so I wanted to live with him. So he filed for custody of me. One pretty much with flying colors because of circumstances uh, of the living situation with my mom compared to what he was doing and whatnot. And uh, so he won. And with the moment he won, the first thing he said is, we'll move you to the Colony, Texas. Where's the Colony, Texas? is completely different than North Dallas. Like now we're at like 95% white, 5% minority. So it was honestly a big culture shock to me. So when I first moved to the colony, I was actually getting in a lot of trouble in like my seventh, eighth grade year of schooling just because um, I didn't know how to act. I still had my Dallas mentality, which was fight, which was argue, which was try to be this hard kid unnecessarily. And uh, so I was getting in detention all the time. I got suspended for cussing people loud in class. Like it was all, you know, like it was, it was all of that up until, you know, I had to do those hundred towel pushes from my basketball coach when I got suspended. That's when I stopped getting in trouble because <laughs> I never wanted to do that again, you know. And it was one of those situations where my dad was like, dude, you know, I moved you out of 
acting like that in those circumstances for you to do better, but you're still acting like this. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, I'm going to give you this one pass. So you get these two days that you're suspended is the only pass I'm about to give you. Next time you get in trouble, man, you're going to have to put the boxing gloves on and go <laughs> fight in the backyard. You know what I mean? It was like that kind of situation. You know what I mean? Right. So like he gave me ready to break down the hammer. <laughs> right. You know, and he, like I say, he gave, he gave me the pass because he knew where I was coming from and while I was like that. But at the same time, he was holding to, to his creed and his core values on how he was supposed to be raising me and how he what he told the judge in the way that he was going to raise me, you know what I mean? When the custody case happened, he was like, this is not why we moved out here was to stay acting like you live in North Dallas. I brought you out here to do better and you're going to do better. And so I did, man. I got my stuff together. I ended up being a, a varsity athlete, uh, you know, basketball-wise. I was on varsity track. I stopped playing football my sophomore year. I graduated high school with a 3.78 GPA. I got an academic scholarship to UNT. And then when I went to UNT, after my first semester, like I joined the fraternity my first semester, lost my academic scholarship because I was, <laughs> with, oh man, I went to college and was partying, dude, partying. Like it was like there's no rules in the world of Dante at that point. Oh, oh, I don't have to go to class. I just got to show up on test day. Cool. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, it was, it was that kind of mentality. I just really wasn't disciplined and, and ready to like be on my own like that. But luckily... I met my wife my freshman year, you know what I mean, of college. And we started dating back in February of 2008. And she was like, man, she was like, we're going to take classes together. We're going to study together. We're going to do our homework together, so on and so forth. So she, like, laid that down from the get-go, you know what I mean, yeah. which, which, which is awesome because I obviously needed it. Uh, but um, I was also doing music. What a lot of people don't know is I was in the music business for a long time. And uh, like I started doing music when I was 18, like my senior year in high school. And then I did it up until I was 20, 25, 26, I would say. Cause I've been in the wrestling business seven years and I stopped doing music right around that time. So, yeah, about 20, 2014 is when I stopped doing music. From, so from about 07 to 14 is about the time that I did music. And I was doing actually like really well. I did South by Southwest for quite a few years as a, as a, as an official artist on a lot of different shows. Um, I did tours with guys like Waka Flocka, open up from him, open up for guys like this dude named Casey Veggies, Travis Scott. I was throwing my own shows out in Denon. Uh, I lived off of making music, being a promoter and, and, you know, recording, throwing my own shows and stuff like that. So a lot of good stuff was going on to the point where I got invited out to LA to do uh, to meet with people from uh, different like record labels and ARs and producers, and I met with people from like MTV, their non scripted department, which is for like reality TV and all that kind of stuff. But when I was out there, this is kind of when the down the downturn started happening because when I was out there, a lot of the parties had a whole lot of drugs, man. And it's one of those situations where when you're, you know, you're that age and you're relatively invincible, so to speak, uh, you'll do anything to make it the way you want to make it to when you've been working hard. And when I say drugs, I'm not talking about like weed, you know what I mean? Just, no, I smoking like that's not, that's not why I, I don't include that. And when I, when I say drugs, I mean drugs, I'm talking cocaine, right. I'm talking promethazine, I'm talking pills, that kind of stuff. And it's free out there. When these people inviting you, try to get you on their side, they're just landing on the table, telling you to enjoy yourself and have a good time. So, uh, so I was out there drinking, you know, I was out there snorting. I was out there taking the syrup, like all that partying hard, living this life with these people, staying up all night. And unfortunately it didn't end in that week. I was out there when I came back, I wanted more because I was like, oh, that's how that life is to stay up late and recording. This is what they do. You know what I mean? So now right. I came back looking for that kind of stuff and I was hiding it. That's where a lot of the problems were lie. It was all tied in it because I was good at hiding it because it wasn't all the time thing. It was just like here or there. You know what I mean? But I was hiding it from my wife. I was hiding it from friends. I was hiding it from my family. And uh, and that that's where a lot of the problems lied. Uh, because I just kept going down and down and getting deeper, deeper, deeper into it to where in 2014, I had threw this one show we called the North by North Texas. It was a yearly show that we threw out in Denon and a big fight broke out that night at the show. It was the first time out of 
you know, seven years of throwing shows out there in Denton, Texas, that I ever had a fight at my show. Wow. You know what I mean? It was all good that it happened. Where the problem lies, it wasn't in the fight. The problem lied in the fight, in the situation that I was so messed up that night on cocaine and syrup and just being high of all sorts, drinking also, that when the fight broke out, I literally was so trash that I couldn't do anything. Like, I just kind of, like, sat there and watched all this go down. And it was my show. Right. Where, you know, and when you're in a leadership position, you're supposed to be at the forefront of any problems, try to handle it, try to solve it. Right. That situation that happened at that show, like I say, it changed a lot, man. And because, uh, like I said, I had that reality check to get off a lot of that stuff uh, from that point on because I realized the downturn that was going on. And so that 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 situation made me actually leave the music business completely. Like I just completely stopped doing music because it took a lot out of me. Just just spiritually, it took a lot out of me. Just emotionally, it took a lot out of me. Business wise, for music, it took a lot out of me. That, that it drained a lot out of me having that realization. So luckily, like I say, I, I was getting ready to start wrestling by that point. And dove into wrestling and everything was good. Got into training. So health and fitness became my life after that reality check is, is really what ended up happening. And so I became a trainer, started wrestling, and all that was going good. And then two years into wrestling, I uh, I dislocated my foot. Uh, I had a, what's called a subtilar joint dislocation, where pretty much my foot dislocated to the inside and, like, stayed there whenever it happened. Oh, I was training – yeah, yeah, I was training one of my basketball clients, and we were just kind of playing a pickup game at the end of the session. I went up for a dunk, came down, and the pressure from me landing just made my foot snap inward, and that was it. Uh, went to the doctor. They thought that I was going to have to have surgery, possibly. Luckily, I didn't have to have surgery, but it did take two different adjustments to get it back into position for me not to have surgery. Uh, I had a small fracture in it also. And this was the first major injury that I ever had at, like I said, about 26 years old, 27 years old-ish when that had happened. And it was my first major injury. And I was handling it well until I wasn't handling it well. It got to the point where I realized, like, I couldn't provide. I wasn't making money because I couldn't work. I couldn't wrestle. Um, so I didn't feel like I had any self-worth, honestly. And that's exactly that's exactly how I was acting. Like I didn't have any self words because my identity at that time was in what I could do as far as being a wrestler and being a trainer rather than who I actually was. So I got super depressed and depression dug deeper because now I'm in a cast. I feel like I had, I don't have any worth. Um, and, you know, doctors prescribed me pain pills, which is something that back in the music days, I was addicted to along with a lot of other stuff. And I avoided taking those pain pills until I got depressed enough to where I was like, well, why the hell not? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I started taking the pain pills. I started getting back on some of the other stuff, started drinking more, started taking syrup again to cope with the pain even more so. And once again, it led to just deeper, deeper depression to where I started having suicidal thoughts. And uh, suicidal thoughts started turning into getting ready to have suicidal action. And, you know, when it got to the point where I was wanting to take action on those suicidal thoughts, I was in my closet. I had just this whole bottle of pills that I was going to take, uh, you know what I mean? And, and so on and so forth, sitting in the closet, crying with this pill bottle in my hand. And I remember just looking up and being like, I didn't believe in God, wasn't in church. I was very content with life, how life was going before this point because everything was all good. I was making mm. money had three titles before this happened, had to give all those up for in, in the wrestling. And I just remember looking up I'm and saying, you know, if there is a God, I need you to show me right now. I was like, I know I don't believe, but if there's a God out there, I need you to show me right now. And literally the minute I finished saying now, I felt the most peaceful, calming feeling come over my body that I had never felt in my life before. Um, and so I took that as a sign. Luckily, I was cognizant enough to be like, whoa, this is weird. You know what I mean? And, and and took that as a sign of God being like, yo, you're good, bro. Just get out of this closet. Don't do what you want to do. You ask for me. I'm showing you that I'm real. And so I left that closet. My wife got home about 30 minutes after I left the closet. 
Um, and I told her what I was thinking in the kind of mind state that I was in at that time. Obviously, I was very honest about it because she knew I had been depressed leading up to that. She didn't know I was having suicidal thoughts. She just knew I was kind of depressed because I wasn't really myself. I was always just sad and down and quick to anger. And so I told her and she just looked at me and was like, well, you know, I've tried to help you. Friends have tried to help you. What do you think you need to do to help yourself? And that line was the line that changed everything. That whole, what do you need to do to help yourself? Because everybody else has tried. So right. i.e., like, look yourself in the mirror and figure out what you need to do. And I did. And, you know, luckily I had a client named Ali Makahi uh, that I had trained a couple years prior that kept giving me these invite cards to church. Ignored them. Ignored them. Ignored them. It wasn't that she peer pressured me. She respected me not wanting to go. Right. But she kept giving me the card, just doing, you know, just doing what God put on her. And I was looking in my wallet later that same day that my wife said, what do you need to do for yourself to help yourself? And I found the invite card in like a slip in the back. Somehow it stuck out. I was like, what is this? I was like, oh. So I went to my wife. I was like, maybe we need to try to go to church. You know, because my wife was fully raised in the church. She only wasn't going because I wasn't going. You know what I mean? And, right. and I hadn't gone since I was a knee-high kid. You know what I'm saying? And um, so that Sunday, that was on a Friday that I was having that episode. That Sunday, we walked in the Elevate Like Church, uh, where Keith Craft is the lead pastor at the church. And he wasn't there that day because he was elsewhere preaching at another church. But Josh Craft was there preaching. And at the end of every service, you know, we have our, you know, call to salvation, the salvation, the prayer of salvation, you know, to to accept God as your Lord and Savior and as the one who died on the cross for your sins and, you know, so on and so forth. And, man, I said that prayer, crying, my, my, my face in my hands, wife hand on my leg because she understood what I was going through and, you know, the episode that I was having to be in that position. And uh, so I got saved that day. And I haven't looked back since, you know, changed my alignment circle through that time. Mm. Uh, as far as who I was hanging out with, I started serving at the church and just kind of investing myself into the situation to dig deeper and, uh, you know, being more like Christ and just, just walking a different kind of way. You know what I mean? And I, and I knew it wasn't going to be a perfect journey and it by far hasn't been. But it's definitely been me always putting my best foot forward uh, to, to sow good seeds, to change my core values, to be about a different life than I had ever been about before. And that's what's gotten me here today. That's what got me here at this gym to meet Eric Rona, who's the owner of the gym that I sublease from and own my business as. And in turn, I met Mark Zalmanov. And meeting Mark Zalmanoff, he took me under his wing to teach me some ropes as a private trainer. Because, um, you know, now he has his own, like, coaching trainers business mm -hmm. where he trains, you know, private trainers on how mm -hmm. to how to funnel their business a lot better. I'll, a lot of people don't know, I was pretty much his first detail in that, you know what I mean? Before, right. like, I was his first guinea pig to really get that going and taking what he was teaching me under his wing. To, to do better by myself because he knew my story and wanted me to do great. So we became brothers. You know what I mean? Now, Mark Zalmanoff is my brother. In comes this guy named Ryan Stuman, who Mark Zalmanoff started <laughs> training. You right. know what I'm saying? So like that, that alignment circle, right? Now we're going down the line. In comes Ryan Stuman. And I met Ryan Stuman and we hit it off because you hear his story and it's like, damn. You hear my, he heard my story and it was like, damn, he was like, I like you, kid. He was like, you know, it kind of took me under his wing as, hey, if you need anything, just let me know. I'm here for you. You know, and he invited me to the 2018 uh, Million Dollar Mastermind, which anybody listening to this is coming up. If you don't have the tickets, get the tickets. I know we're going to be there and stuff like that. But he invited me to the 2018 I was like, bro, just come out. He was like, don't worry about taking it. He was like, just come out. I'm inviting you on me. You know what I mean? And I went out. And that's where a lot of stuff changed, like being in this, being in that room with those type of people for the first time like that changed everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I got so many tidbits from a lot of different people that are there that some of them are actually going to be at the 2021 Million Dollar Mastermind. Some of them I follow on social medias and they follow me. And I still get stuff from them. And now I'm in position where they're following some of the stuff I'm doing. Like, man, that was a good word. I mean, and sharing it and, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy 
how being with the right people at the right place at the right time and putting yourself in a vulnerable position to grow. And uh, it, it, it changes everything. You know what I mean? I and in that situation did, because like I say, that downline from meeting Eric to meeting Mark, who was subleasing from Eric at that time, to meeting with Ryan Stuman because he started training with Mark, to now obviously me being in Apex, you know, three years later, it's just it's just like the circle of life to, to me. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it's a beautiful journey. And like I said, it hasn't been perfect, but it, and it never will be for anybody. Everybody has missteps, but I, I believe I don't believe in perfection because I, I don't I think there's only one perfect person and being and that's God and Jesus. You know what I'm saying? But there is excellence. And you can always try to achieve excellence and work towards that, which is literally working your hardest within every single thing that you do. To me, that's what excellence is. Always giving your best and not letting good be robbed of the best. Always putting your best foot forward and working to the point where when anybody sees you doing something in your life, regardless what it is, they will never be able to say they didn't see you working hard. And I had a conversation with a client about that this morning. I was like, I don't expect you to be perfect. I expect you to, to, to work for excellence, though, which is, to me is just being your best and always working hard because that we can do because that is an intentional decision that you have to make when you wake up in the morning and this is the Lord has made and putting your best foot forward and knowing that you're going to go get it. And uh, so that's a lot of stuff that I preach, man. And like I say, it's been a journey to get here and now, I went from, you know, working for gyms to subleasing and now having my own business to in turn down the line. I want to have my own gym and so on and so forth and have my own coaching business. But I don't even want like a, a coaching trainer business, kind of like Mark has. I want like a mindset stuff on life, kind of like life coaching stuff to uplift people and help them realize that they, they they're not victims and slaves to whatever circumstance they're in. You know, you know what I'm saying? That they're not victims to that by any means. And they can grow through what they go through to create breakthrough, but they have to make that decision to do so because we all have the opportunity to be legacy changers and generational curse breakers and all that good stuff. But it takes us saying no to who we were yesterday and yes to what we know we can become in the life that has been spoken over us by somebody in the life that we realize and changing the blind spots that have been pointed out to us or changing the blind spots that have been found from other people about us to be able to do that. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And, and I agree. And one thing I got to tell you is I thank God you had that great, you had that insight, even though you were heading down to say, look, I got to stop this, this, path i'm on when you were in the music biz right because like you right. said it's like being a an actor or rock star whatever that element is there and people if you're good they're just gonna throw it at you so when it's free, right. i mean it could have ended in a different way so thank god that you had that that insight to change that trajectory of where you're at today right because I'm in recovery myself when it comes to drugs and alcohol. I have 18 years clean and sober this year. And sometimes I think back and I went, dang, I wish I was like Dante. I wish I would have noticed those red flags back. You know, I wouldn't have had to go through. Right. But, but like you, I believe that we go through our journeys for a reason. And there's no coincidences, right. right? So like, even though our journeys are different, but look at we're here together today. We're part of this amazing group of people. Right. And if you're listening, audience, you know what I mean? This is who I surround myself with. Because in order for me to push myself, like you said, if I want to be excellence every day, I got to have people that are a step or two above me that are going to push me to be excellent every day. You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting here with the champ. You know what I mean? This doesn't happen to me every day. So, but I get what you're saying. You know, like when I got to go to the meetup in February and I got to meet you, you know what I mean? One of the coolest things, and I've said it on other episodes is like, when you surround yourself with these people and you learn how to push yourself to be better, like one of my mantras is you get to, like, I get to go through these struggles, right? I get to be a better person every day, whether it's a better husband, a better father, a better son, a better sibling. And it was cool. I walked into the room, right? And, I'm, and people are like, oh, Max, you're the get to guy. Cause I was posting stuff when I was going through the 75 hard challenge. 
And right. it was one day I had I was having a rough day. I'm like, yeah, today sucks. You know, the bitch voice is really loud, and you know, I gotta get the butt. I get to go through this today and yes, you know what I mean? And, and that's what I choose to do is surround myself with like guys like you that, that are pushing themselves to be better every day. Uh, I don't know if you remember, I think it was a motivational Monday. Ryan talked about his friend, Sam Bakhtiar, who was a big in the fitness industry. Yeah. was like one of his mentors or, and he always talks about being 1% better than you were the day before. So right. my mission when I started 75 hard at the end of last year and finished it this year but come January, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that 1% better. So at the end of the year, I'm going to be 365% better than I was last year. Come on. Right. You know, and that I'm not going to be in the same spot that I'm going to accomplish my goals. You know, I'm going to, as we say in apex, we're going to do the work and right. F Y E, you know what I mean? Right. Your excuses and, right. and go at it. And <clears throat> excuse me. So it's, you know, I've had some great guests and, and you're right there at the top of them. You know, to hear your the the changes you've made in your life, because you could have easily gone down that path. You right. Know, you could have stuck with it and said, you know, I like this rock, you know, like rock star lifestyle. You know what I mean? Right. Like this is cool stuff. Right. And and I'm sure, you know, people and I know people that don't make it sometimes that, you know, they're right. not here today. You know, right. I feel blessed that I get to have this conversation with you and learn your story and where you've come from so that you can help someone in the audience. You know, they're going to hear your story and go, fuck yeah, I like the, I like the yeah, champ, yeah. man. He's, he's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, and that's how I choose my guests. You know, I mean, most of them have had struggles and come through it, you know, and right. ever since that, it was weird ever since that, that meetup, a lot of friends of mine have joined my group on Facebook that are executives in our, in our apex group. Right. Know? So, you know, after this, I will, I'm going to send you an invite to the group. Cause I'd love to have you share your wisdom and stuff in the group, you know, and it's, right. and you'll find that there's a lot of people from apex in the group. And it's, I've grown that organically from like, I was stuck at 300 people. Now it's over a thousand because I did like you, I changed my mindset. I changed the way I do things. And I said, you know what, I'm going to be better so I can help more people as I go through this journey, you know? And, right. and, uh, and when you get to know Dante, that's what he's all about. Whether he's coaching them, whether he's training them, uh, you do a lot of CrossFit training, right? Indeed. I, I compete and that's mainly what I program for my clients also. Yeah. And if anybody knows what CrossFit is, that stuff is no joke and you got to be in shape. <laughs> and if you saw champ and I've seen some pictures, this guy's got a body like a God, you know what I mean? Guy, you can tell he works his ass off and, and that's so cool to see, right? Because like you said, we got to walk the walk and we got to talk the talk, right? We can't tell someone, hey, go do this. And then they go see Coach Dante in the, he's in his office at the at the gym eating a donut or something, right? Right. <laughs> can't do that, right? And in my case, like if I'm going to coach people to overcome their depression or their anxiety oh. or substance abuse, I got to walk the walk and talk the talk, right? Like I think Ryan said in one of his talks before, like he does in the dark what he'll do in the light, you know right. what I mean? So same here, you know, and, and I'm loving the connections I'm, I'm getting through this, this platform through Facebook, because I get to connect with, with guys like you, Dante, which just, you know, it brightens my day because I know I'm on the right path when, 100%. you know, so we're going to go on to the next question, which I wrote a book, you know, and I can't wait to, to see and get your book. I called it fearless happiness, right? Yep. And, um, so I asked my guests and as different as the answers are in the end of it, they're all the same. So let, let the audience know what does fearless mean to you? And what does that look like for you? Like on a day-to-day -day basis? I, I mean, to me, fearless is more than anything to me is, is taking the chance. Um, and a lot of people don't know. And I, and I love speaking. I actually love speaking on the fear um, because you don't really realize, like as a trainer, you don't realize how scared people are of certain things until you become a trainer and they're scared to lift a weight or scared to try this. Or you start talking about their personal life and they're scared to make this jump or scared to make that jump. So I think a lot of it is is when it comes to fear is making that jump. You know what I mean? Believing in yourself because a lot of the time we're, we're fearful to go into business for ourselves. When we're single, 
you're fearful to to ask that girl that you've been having a crush on for this time, possibly out on a date or vice versa. If you're the girl wanting to ask a guy in some instances, whatever it may be, right. you know what I mean? We're fearful to lift heavy weight because we're scared to, that we're possibly to get hurt when no signs of what we've done so far lead to us getting hurt. We're fearful to ask questions for feeling stupid or whatever it may be in that instance. A lot of people have that in them. And to me, it's, it's taking that chance. You know what I mean? When, when we're fearful, we don't take as many chances as we can. And people don't realize in the Bible, it says, do not fear slash worry 365 times on the dot. You know what I'm saying? On the dot, 365 times in the Bible, it says, do not fear slash a variation of do not worry. One of the two, which go hand in hand. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And the moment I found that out is the moment I stopped being being fearful of a, of a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? And you got to be fearless. You got to take that chance. You got to take that jump. Because if you don't, at least to contentness, so you're going to stay right where you're at. At worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. So, you, yeah, you're back at square one, but at least you took the chance. You know what I mean? And as a cliche as it is, you know, you miss a, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. You know what I mean? Exactly. And if, 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 uh, if I was fearful and not fearless, I wouldn't be here in this office at this gym right now. I wouldn't have made that jump from leaving a corporate gym where I was comfortable because there's hundreds of clients that are on their books that come in that may want personal training compared to making that jump where I'm on my own and having to go find every single one for myself pretty much and market for myself and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so more than anything, being fearless is believing in yourself and taking that jump that most people won't take. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Love it. Like I said, one of my favorite mentors, coach and most of all brother in life who recently passed away would always tell me believe when i would get into that fear you're like well what if it doesn't work what if it doesn't do this and right. you, go, you go max stop just believe and just do it right <laughs> all right so he left a legacy in in my life you know i know him right. and you know i always say um you know fearless means doing the things you're afraid of anyway Yep. You know, there's so many different versions. And, you know, I loved what you just said, because it's people got to understand, you know, you can either stay stuck or overcome your fear and do something different. Who right. cares if you fail? Right. Most of us do. But it's right. Times you get back up. What's that Rocky saying? Right. Get knocked down seven or it's a Chinese robber. Get down, knock seven, get knocked down seven times. Get up eight. Yeah. means. You know, if you're getting knocked down that many times, you know that fear is kicking in. Like, I don't want to get knocked right. down. But that eighth time is that that's you saying to the universe, like, you ain't going to stop me. I'm going to keep going. And like, you know, and the things you do, like CrossFit competitions. Like, I've seen some of your tracks that I've seen on TV, like that you guys do. And that brings right. fear to my... <laughs> I'm like, holy moly, these guys are... But I'm sure you guys just, you know, it's like... I'm going to conquer this, right? I'm going to conquer yep. this and I'm going to do my best. And, and like you said, all you can do is your best. You can always strive to be excellent, right? Right. Like, I, I agree with you. There's only one perfect person, one perfect being, and that's God. And, you know, but all of us can strive to be excellent at what we do. Right. So that leads me into the next question, right? So in my book, uh, happiness is spelled with a Y. And everybody go right. get it today. They go, man, you misspelled happiness. I go, no, I did it for a reason. There's a reason I put the why. So knowing I put the why in there, um, what does happiness mean to you? How does happiness show up? And and how do you how 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 do you practice being happy? By having gratitude. And and I say that because I feel like when you have gratitude, you don't have a lot of room to not be happy. Because within gratitude, you realize the blessings and the stewardship that you have over a lot of the stuff that you are doing to appreciate life that much more and realize how much of an honor it is and how much of a privilege it is to be doing the things that you do. Because when I got when I injured myself, I was a very prideful person, um, not not in the sense of like I was on myself, but everything came easy. 
You know what I mean? Athletics came easy to me. Music came easy to me. Being a good trainer came easy to me. So I wasn't really like thanking anybody or realizing a privilege of what it was with what I was doing compared to a lot of people that would never ever have the opportunity to be able to do some of the things that I do. Then I got injured and it was taken away from me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was taken away from me. That's when and I kind of went through that depression. That's when I first realized, like, okay, tomorrow's not promised a day on a lot of this stuff because the injury could have been worse. And I could have never been wrestling again. The injury could have been worse. And I could have never been training again. Let's say it wasn't just an ankle and somebody came under and clipped me and I suffered a worse concussion ever. And now I'm having mental problems or whatever it may be, brain problems. And it could have been a lot worse than what it was. And so I realized and. And when I say gratitude, I mean to the most minute thing like it like I have gratitude for the fact that I'm able to see because I understand there's blind people out there that would never see it there in their life. Right. I understand I have gratitude to be able to hear because I understand there's people that will never be able to hear like I have, be able to speak like I have, be able to smell like I have, let alone to the greater scheme of thing. Uh, people look at us, as you said, and it's, it's like, man. What they do in CrossFit is crazy. You know what I mean? The body that I am stewarding right now, because we're only stewards of this. We have a soul that's within our body that's going to leave this body one day as this is buried into the ground and our soul goes somewhere else. So as a steward of this body, I understand there are people out there that would never be able to do what I do in wrestling that are wrestling, let alone there are people that would never be able to wrestle, you know what I mean, like I do, that are just fans of us and just admire us in a certain type of way, let alone to fitness and deadlifting what I'm able to deadlift, cleaning what I'm able to clean it, being able to do a Metcon like I'm able to do it as fast as I can do it with some of the skill work. I fully understand that there are people out there that will never have the opportunity to be able to do the things that I'm able to do. And for that, I make sure that I hold myself accountable to, to not be able to do the things that I'm doing in vain. And so I wear the weight of the fact that they can't on my back, knowing that people out there wish, pray, hope that they can do what I can do and never will be able to every single moment and that's why nobody will be able to say and look at me and see me doing something and say that I wasn't giving my all and working my hardest at whatever I was doing on any given moment. Even on my worst day where my body may be at 50 percent, I'm giving 100 percent of that 50 percent in everything I do, whether I want to or not, because I don't want what I'm doing to be in vain because I understand that there are people out there that would never be able to. And I am fully okay with holding that way. Some people don't want to hold that way. I'm okay with holding that way because I am so gracious and fully understand that I am a steward of everything that I am doing because one day it's all going to come to end and I'm not going to be able to deadlift 500 pounds. I'm not going to be able to wrestle. I'm not going to be able to do Matt Cons as fast as I'm able to do them. Mm -hmm. So I'm making sure right now I'm getting everything out of everything that I do that I can. That way it's never in vain. And once again, nobody will be able to say that they didn't see me giving my 100%. And within me having gratitude and being gracious for all that and understanding fully that I'm a steward of every situation that I have and I'm not an owner of any of this makes it makes me be happy every day because I'm responsible for all of it. And I, and I take 100% responsibility for everything that I'm able to do. Absolutely. And that's what my passing of my friend, you know, as sad as it is, you know, I'm celebrating his life because he taught me about that. Like, be, you know, yesterday's gone and tomorrow's not promised. All we got is this moment right now, present. Right. You know, and and there was something one of my mentors taught me long ago is that grateful people are happy people and those who aren't, aren't. No. you know, that, I mean? that's why gave me this the moment I said that I saw you do this when I first said that you sat back, you're like, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> And it's true though. Like I do a gratitude right. journal every day, three things in the morning, right when I wake up so that I fill myself with positive stuff. And then I do three things before I lay my head on the pillow so that I, Come at on. the end of the day, nothing but positivity. And trust me, I've gone through some stuff and we can talk about that another day in my right. recovery, right? Like some of my biggest challenges have come while I've been sober. So, but thank God that I look at every moment as a gift from God that, you know, like, I don't take this for granted. Like, you know, when you said yes, I was like, yeah, 
I get the champ on my freaking podcast. Yeah. You know what I mean, and I'm going to enjoy every moment, but every guest I take them, I don't take them for granted. Right. Cause like you said, there's right. nothing guaranteed and not at all nothing is promised to us. Right. So we got to take this gift that we get from God called life and we got to make the best. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Dante this Thank is you. awesome episode. I can't wait till it comes out and I'll definitely let you know. Cause you'll see the post in our group. Uh, but I'll let you know, but, um, any parting words for the audience and, and then let them know where, how they can, if they want to get a hold of you, how they can get a hold of you. Yeah. Um, if, 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 if there's any parting word, man, that, that I could give is just saying anything like yeah, yesterday, I got a couple different, a few different tattoos actually. So I got the G code tattoo, which nice. we know, uh, you know, the whole, the gratitude, the genetics grinding group as we know from being part of apex right. but i also got relentless tattooed on my other arm because i really feel like when you have a re relentless worth ethic that's that means by any means necessary you are going to go after what it is through the hardships and through the good stuff it doesn't matter you're always going to go your hardest to achieve whatever it is that you could uh, you know that you are trying to achieve regardless of the variables you know that's what i loved about kobe bryant and that mama mentality that mama mentality that kobe had was just a relentless personality you know he never took no for an answer in anything he did and and so i would tell people when when you're trying to go after your goals your dreams prs and life whatever it may be have that relentless worth ethic to where everything you do is undeniable in your worth ethic whether you achieve it or not in your work, make your work ethic undeniable to where nobody can say they never saw you giving your hardest and trying to achieve. Because also in turn of whatever else anybody else sees, you can live with yourself a lot better, knowing for sure that you gave your best in that situation, regardless of whatever it may be, whether you achieved it or not. When you keep that right perspective and knowing that you gave your all, because you can never, you can never be better than whatever your best is. So whatever your best is. Always give that because that's what you could live with, pass or fail at the end of the day. So that's my words of wisdom right there. Where people can reach me, they can find me on Facebook, uh, Dante Smiley. You can find my fitness page, Primetime Fitness Training. Uh, on the Instagram and Twitter, it's at Primetime Living, uh, P-R-I-M-E-T-I-M-E-L-I-V-I-N-G. So at Primetime Living on those uh, like I said, you can check out my Tidbits podcast where I just shoot a lot of quick knowledge stuff, uh, which is the 13th Floor Mindset podcast on all podcast streaming platforms. And just follow me. I like to connect with everybody because I feel like we can learn from everybody. No, Nobody's too smart and nobody's too dumb to where you can't learn from them. You know what I mean? Everybody can learn from every something from everybody. So let's connect. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome, 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 man. What a great episode. Again, chap, I appreciate you. Thanks for Thank being you. on. And uh, there you go, everybody. The champ, Dante Smiley. <laughs>